Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Designer and Developer Having Coffee. Today we are once again joined by a guest. His name is Charlie Ward. Charlie is a indie hacker and also a founder and all-around great guy. Uh, a quick random fact about how I met Charlie. Uh, before COVID, I was running a community called Indie Club and then stopped it during COVID. And then when COVID kind of let off, a friend of mine tells me, oh, I see you doing another meetup. I was like, I'm not doing a meetup. And then it turns out it was Charlie's meetup, Indie Beers. <laughs> so this is how we met. And uh, it's one of my, it's actually my number one favorite meetup in London. Met amazing people at that place. Uh, it's once a month. If you guys, anybody who's listening is in London, make sure to check it out. There's going to be a link in the description. And now I'm going to let Charlie introduce himself. So welcome, Charlie, to the show. <laughs> Thanks for that warm introduction, Tom. Um, yeah, it was amazing to meet you through IndieBiz as well. I think we've got a lot of uh, lot in common, namely our, our meetup, similar things. But um, to introduce myself, so I'm Charlie. So um, um, I mainly describe myself as a, a community builder and founder. And I also, as a contractor, I do a bit of UX research as well. But yeah, I'm the founder of uh, IndieBiz, um, which is in London, but we're also kind of trying to build a presence in Lisbon as well at the moment. Um, and also, I run a paid co-working community called Ramen Club, which is an online and in-person uh, place for bootstrap founders to kind of meet, learn from each other, and support each other. Uh, so let's say that's me in a nutshell. And I do that most of the time, Ramen Club and Indie Beers, but like two, three days a week, I also do contracting. Uh, I know. So this podcast is not like an interview style, so I don't want to turn this into a Q&A. But uh, one thing okay. that I picked up from you on Twitter was... Uh, something that I think I first I saw it f from you first being ramen profitable. Uh, yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and and what is and why did you come to Ramen Club right and how did that came to be? I think it's an interesting story. Yeah. So the concept of ramen profitable I think is really interesting. So I first read about this in a Paul Graham essay. So I think he has an essay just called Ramen Profitable um, where he talks about what that is and why it's why it's powerful. Um, so it's, it kind of comes from Silicon Valley, and it's the idea of that your startup makes just enough profit for you to survive off it, and you don't need a job or outside investment. And you know this can only, this can just be like a couple of thousand dollars a month or something. It really depends where you live and like you know do you have a family, and it, it does vary by person. But it suddenly means that your startup is in your own hands, and you have more time to work on it, and you actually have leverage. Like when you are desperate for funding, then you're more likely to get a bad deal, for example. Um, so Paul Graham was talking about it in the context of venture backs companies, but we talk about it in more of the bootstraps way, you know, because it means that people can quit their job and just work on the thing they're working on, whatever that is, a SaaS, a marketplace, anything really. Um, and for Ramen Club, I just thought it was a really nice... We actually used to be called something different. We used to be called Weekend Club and we changed about a year ago because I just felt, been feeling for a while that we'd sort of outgrown the name because we weren't just doing, you know, events on weekends anymore. And it kind of repelled some people because they're like, oh, I don't want to do anything on, just on a weekend. And so we outgrew it. And also I just thought that, so I actually come from a branding background originally. I used to work in creative agencies and a weekend is a very intangible thing, like visually. Um, so I never really got to like a good brand identity for that, but I thought it's cool because obviously it's like very visual and you know it's very like heartwarming and there's a lot of like nice connotations with ramen outside of ramen <laughs> profitable, but also like ramen profitable is like a meaningful thing for our audience for our community members. 
because that's something they're all trying to get to. And it's not like the end goal it necessarily. You want to get further than that, but it's the point where you suddenly, um, things are in your own hands a little more. So I kind of got the old gang back together for my agency days, like, uh, you know, my favorite designer I work with and um, some creatives I used to work with. And we just kind of put together like a bit of an identity and relaunched it. And yeah, I'm really happy with how it went. I, would, I want to do some like more stuff of it one day like I like to do you know some maybe some merch one day and stuff but um you know just juggling a lot at the moment so I haven't got there quite yet but yeah that's the kind of story of uh ramen club and ramen profitability in a nutshell are you now ramen profitable with ramen club um yes I actually am um which is great it was happening the last sort of six months or so um I'm not the reason I'm not full-time and I'm still contracting is because I just want to save a bit more first just to get a bit more runway because also like living in in London sometimes it feels like you're playing it on hard mode you know versus like living in Chiang Mai um but it's my home and my friends and family are here and you know it's kind of like worth the trade-off for me honestly um but um uh yeah so I just want to get um a little bit more runway first and hope I'm aiming to this year like after the summer um but you know we'll see we'll see how that goes but I think I'll get there eventually how did you how did it make you feel first day you realized okay I've reached ramen profitable <laughs> was there like a celebration or what happened what, what happened in your mind and what changed you know it's one of those things it depends how quickly it happens but it was so gradual that like by the time you get there you just sort of be like oh right great like what's the next thing like i think for people when it some people you see them it happens very quickly and i think that must be like quite overwhelming and like you know i think that would be slightly different but it was kind of like a grind over three years like every month you get like 100 200 more mrr and one day you're like, oh, right, I'm there, great. <laughs> then you're like, oh, I wonder what the next goal is. Um, but it, it's kind of like so the you... hedonic treadmill, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but um, I think it's important, I, I do actually think it's important to like stop and like these kind of milestones because um, it's very easy just to say, oh, right, shrug your shoulders. But, you know, it, I think it is important to like, you know, honor them sort of thing. So, okay, having said that, how, how do you feel about um, some people? at least from what I've seen is, and I do, I'm guilty of this myself. And uh, I think Mario is too, Mario, feel free to disagree. But honestly, when you're kind of focused on work and like you said, it happens gradually, you're in a way constantly pushing the goalpost away. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, it's always, like you said, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And like, what, like, what would your advice be to people trying to reach ramen profitability? And this is a question for both of you, how to celebrate mm. those little milestones and not forget, like, uh, there's a, there's a saying I like to use is sometimes that we are so focused on where we are going. We forget to see how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly feel that. Can I can I just jump in at the moment before answering that question to say, thank you, Tom, for introducing me. Thank you for letting me say, hi, I'm Mario. I'm the developer in this enthusiastic duo. This was very nice of you. Thank you for allowing me to say my random fact. And my random fact was that I had to open PHP code this week. And God, I hate PHP. So thanks for allowing me to do all those nice things. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm going to return the favor at one point. Uh, aside from that, uh, talking about the goalpost moving along it's it is and it's sort of a question how do you define the goalpost like uh, is your goal completing the immediate next step or is your goal to compete your let's say five-year-old objective or you know a, a 10 year long objective or something like that because like being ramen profitable is an objective that can be i don't know three months six months a year and you don't 
your goal is not to be ramen profitable. Your goal is to be rich on a yacht on the Mediterranean islands, sipping martini and, and I don't know, encoding in PHP or whatever. So uh, one is the goal post and one is just the 10 yard line and then the 20 yard line and so on. That's an interesting point, Marif, because I do think it, it depends. Um, so look, definitely with like the venture backed sort of startup scene, like it is like the goal is a yacht. Like, let's be honest, if you're doing that in, for most people. Um, but um, I'm not saying I'd be against a yacht. I'm just saying that like um, in the bootstrap scene, which is a bit more the world I come from um, and, you know, perhaps you do as well, Tom. Um, it's I think the trade is a bit of a trade off of like you want to succeed and, you know, build wealth and stuff. But like you're it's a little bit more focused on your lifestyle, I'd say. So it's about like, you know, have, retaining a bit of independence of, um, you know, maybe it takes you longer to be round profitable or to replace your salary. Um, but you do it in a way in which you have a bit more control, can do things in your own way, you know, and that you're seeing lots of like one person businesses who they could scale a team if they wanted, but they literally choose not to and they choose to grow less fast so that they can just like not have to wake up and worry about managing someone or hiring someone or firing someone or an investor or something like that. So yeah, I, I think you're right, but it, it, I think it depends what kind of angle you come from it, you know? Yeah, I agree with you in terms of like my motivation was never a yacht on a Mediterranean sipping martini. Like <laughs> this is something that you can do for a weekend and it's amazing when you can, you can just purchase that lifestyle for five days but it's not the way to live that life, right? Like life is not martinis on a beach for the next 30, 40 years. That's, that's not life. And uh, I agree, I did before the situation where you're accountable for other people, hiring, managing, uh, all that stuff. And then you're basically building yourself a job where you don't have the freedom and flexibility that you wanted when you started that, right? So, so I think all of us start with this idea of, oh, I'm going to be free, I'm going to do my, with my time whatever I want. And then you paint yourself into a corner by hiring people and doing all of these things. Uh, I can't leave now. Now I have to make sure that salaries are paid out, that this and that. And then when you go on board an investor, you're basically just onboarded a boss. Uh, you're yeah. back to square one. So like li building a lifestyle business that you are a center of and you alone, I think, at least for me, and is, is the way to go in terms of if you want the ultimate thing mm. for me in life is freedom, right? We actually had a whole episode on this. And uh, if you decide to go like to become a manager of a company or a CEO of a company, then you don't have the independence. Then you have to show up because you are head of a team that's leading a team of other people that depend mm. on you. So while it is your company and all the extra revenue that's getting is in the end yours if you're an owner or a partial owner or whatever you did build yourself a job and don't run away from it on the other hand you have that luxury of looking back and saying wow i built this all you know by myself you know i found this team i'm leading this team it's all it's my uh, uh, good work but yeah and i don't say that the yacht is a goal but i'm pretty sure that people who spend a lot of their time on a yacht drinking martini are fairly independent Yes. Just saying. Probably. Maybe that's just... <laughs> yeah, most likely. Um, but, you know, I think the beauty of these things is like, I, one thing I think the Indie Hackers movement over the last five years or so has done really well. And, you know, before that, you know, like um, things like the four-hour work week is like, it just shows there's different paths you can take in this world, you know? Like one way is the big VC way. Another way is like figure out a way to make the bare minimum and just like um, live in a hammock on the beach. And like there's lots in between this as well. 
and I think we've just seen we're just seeing more and more interesting examples of like there is not just like one way and you know there are many like examples of paths that and I think there's something for everyone to some extent now which is really cool and I think the amount of you know increasing numbers of like one person businesses like it's kind of interesting like seeing how big they can get because it feels like every year there's like new tools that mean you can just um, extend yourself even further and so like you know are we gonna are we gonna see the first like billion dollar one person business at some point I don't know if we've seen that yet I actually don't think we have or that's like publicly known but I feel is, like uh, this this may happen on a long enough time scale is uh, Jay-Z considered to be a one person business no no yeah, that's a good question um, I, I, I wouldn't say so at this point no 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 he's got he's got Jay Z's got stuff. <laughs> Jay Z yeah. got stuff for sure. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, but it's hard to, yeah, it kind of depends, yeah, um, because I'm sure a bunch of these one person businesses use freelancers. Like, does that count or VAs? Um, it's very hard to do yeah. absolutely everything on your own, right? Yeah. Well, maybe in the near future, a lot of these people are going to be replaced by AI. In that case, you can say I did this everything on my own plus AI. But yeah, yeah, depending, that's interesting. Yeah, like especially with depending you, on how far AI gets. Yeah, well, the, I think the autonomous agent experiments right now. Uh, I mean, they're just experiments, right? I haven't seen like tons of like really useful examples yet, but it's not hard to imagine that eventually you'll be able to plug it into like a bunch of APIs and it is useful. Like it replies to your emails, or it suggest, or it just like writes the email and suggests it to you that says yes, no, edit. Like these things are just gonna makes things more and more efficient right so I, I suspect that we're going to see more of that eventually but it's just about what how I'm actually I'm actually much more interested in a world where uh, AI is going to start writing your you know social media posts like you're going to say hey I'm a content creator I want to create content about software these are a few ideas please prepare me content for the next month and then other people are going to have AI writing comments to the posts of the prospects they want to get close to and then we're going to have a social network where AI talks to AI and we're sitting on the side counting fake likes. That's going to yeah. be amazing. Yeah, I don't know. that. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. <laughs> what? That sounds perfect. We're, we're, that sounds very, perfect. I, I do admit, like, you know, as someone that, like, likes using AI and I find it useful, um, it's, it's hard to, like, ignore the downsides of this stuff <laughs> as well. But it's kind of like the genie's kind of out the bottle now you know, and um, I'm, I've, I'm just like, I'm in society. I didn't choose to be born into society. I'm just doing the best I can exactly. with the tools at my disposal. Exactly. And uh, I think that maybe uh, I've kind of can see this happening is sort of a movement coming along that is like no AI movement, right? Where people are like no AI social yeah. network, no AI, whatever. And then maybe we'll kind of make a full circle at some point and then again arrive at MySpace and have like my own background music <laughs> doing like uh, I don't know I can see I can definitely see in the last couple of months a lot of uh, AI generated comments on LinkedIn that I know yeah. are AI generated and yeah. those people are at least for me I automatically dismiss those people so as soon as I see someone who is trying to be personal using AI I just dismiss them out of hand so even if they are would or could provide value in the future just because their first foot through the door was AI generated content to get close to me I ignore them completely 100% forever so so I think they're at least for now doing themselves a disservice with this type of approach yeah. but if I can just yeah, go back for one second yes, if I can, can just go back away from AI one for one second to the Jay-Z one man 
billion dollar company. I don't know if Jay-Z has employees, but I know of two cases where there are employees. For example, Snoop Dogg has employees, and one of the people in Snoop Dogg's company or on his payroll is a person who makes joints for him. So he actually has a person on salary rolling joints for him. Well, so that's, a, I don't know what school you go to get into that position, but that's an interesting profession. If you think how much time he, I think how much he must spend <laughs> and how much time he probably saves from that, there's probably quite a high ROI on that, I reckon. <laughs> there would be an interesting math for him, like, you know, in the KPEX like, OPEX tables, you know, like, this is how much time I saved, this is the fixed cost like, of a salary. Let's, let's assume that he rolls 10, he, he has 10 joints a day. I think that would be a fair assessment. Um, how long does it take? <laughs> how long does it take to roll one big joint for Snoop Dogg? Ten minutes? Was it less? Five minutes? Two, he probably saves I, an hour. I mean, again. He probably saves an hour a day. I'd assume from this, which, <laughs> which over the course of um, thirty days and Snoop Dogg's hourly rate could be a well-rounded salary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to figure out. Oh yeah. So okay. Are you I like having time to roll a joint? <laughs> Have I got this right? So, I mean, if it's ten, one hour a day, 365 hours divided by 24, that should be the number of days a, month, a year he saves. So he saves so about off. 15 days per year from this, which is, you know what? Like, if you can do something to get 15 days back at his level, that's high leverage, I think, you know? Maybe we should be doing this. <laughs> at the, at the, moment, the moment I start calculating shit like this like oh i stir my coffee for 30 seconds if i skip <laughs> intro to friends every time i watch the episode like i'm basically saving three years per year and then at some point i would just be like laying down doing nothing like what are you doing i'm saving time I'm yeah there's a, there's a point where it's like over optimization isn't it Slightly. yeah at one point i would just end up as a buddhist monk sitting on top of a hill like what are you doing just saving time man saving like, time baby <laughs> yeah. time yeah, is time money saving <laughs> exactly and when you're not when you when you have 100% of time saved you're just the richest person alive which is something i actually do believe uh exactly but anyways uh, moving away from uh, 1 billion dollar businesses okay. this is a question for you guys because mario is a developer and i know charlie that you've in recent months did uh some cool shit with uh no code and ai coding stuff and so on yeah. so uh i want to use this opportunity to ask you both to give me a your perception on what is going to happen with no code and local tool, especially with AI coming in in the near future. Like, what do you think, uh, Mario? How, you just to make it easier, I'm going to go. Charlie, go first. Just to make it easier. okay. Um, yes, yeah, so I think we're actually seeing an interesting convergence of the two worlds. They they have different labels, but um, well, I mean, I literally know a guy. He's my, a friend of mine, Max Haining. So he runs 100 days of no codes. So it's, he runs a big no-code community that's been going for a few years and he's launched 100 days of AI and he is like actively thinking of like these tools are useful for building stuff without I mean when it, it kind of gets into semantics of what writing code means really but um, basically you know not like fully learning to be a traditional software developer and I'm not saying it can replace all I'm not saying that's necessarily like a direct replacement for that but for making simple things you can do it a bit quicker with ChatGPT, realistically, um, than um, learning to code it. And you can do it with more flexibility than using an off-the-shelf no-code tool. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to continue to see if, like a convergence of these things because, you know, in a way, um, AI is able to turn English into a programming language. It's just a higher layer of abstraction. It's kind of just going 
continued from having machine code to like assembly to like Python. And now you have English and it just like generates it for you. And right now it's only for very simple things. I understand that or for optimizing stuff. I'm not saying you could build a very complex app by just doing a prompt necessarily. Like I haven't seen anyone do that. Um, so I think that's kind of where it's heading, but I'm interested to see uh, Mario's perspective as a developer because I'm not a developer. All right. So uh, uh, this may sound prejudiced because I code and my team codes and my company lives because we build software, but I don't, I'm not thrilled with no code tools, or let me put it this way. Yeah. No code tools are great tools to be used for what they should be used. And just a broader thought, every tool should be used for what it was meant to be used. In the, let, let me give you a basic example. In the development community, everybody hates WordPress because WordPress has the most horrible projects ever. But this is not true. If you use WordPress to build a simple page or a landing page or a blog, then WordPress is brilliant. It comes, you install it, it works out of the shelf, and it's good. Yeah. If you want to run five parallel uh, uh, content sites sharing content with three APIs, pricing, and uh, uh, media content that is on AWS, then WordPress isn't working well. Yes, it isn't, because that's not what it was meant to be used for. In a similar way, uh, no-code tools work well when you use them for what they're meant to be used for. So if yeah. you need a simple integration where some data is going to be moved from one app to another, then Zapier is a great tool. You want to use Zapier and you don't want to find somebody that's going to move your data from a data sheet to an Excel sheet. That mm. is a perfect example where a no-code platform can work and where no-code works beautifully and you don't need code to actually do it. Whenever you need something complex with complex calculations that map your processes in detail, it is very often that no-code tools won't work. So no-code tools are good for fairly simple tasks and they are good for prototyping. As soon as you figure out, okay, this prototype with no-code tools turned out to make some sense, let's try to, you know, make a business out of it. That's a point where no code doesn't really work anymore and you should start thinking about an actual software solution where you have full control over the code because of maintainability, scalability, uh, um, customization, flexibility, and all of that. So if you use no code tools and low code tools for simple tasks, that's great. They're going to work fine and you're going to solve your tasks. But if you use them on a really complex uh, uh, level, you might get yourself into trouble. And the last thing regarding AI writing code, uh, just the other day, I took ChatGPT for a run and I said, okay, I need a method that will find me the intersection between two lines defined by two uh, um, points in the coordinating system. It wrote me code. It looked beautiful. It worked beautiful. And from the first glance, I couldn't find any errors. So I put the code into our solution. It worked beautifully. And then our client found an edge case and then it turned out ChatGPT was wrong and I had to rewrite the code and I rewrote the code. So Mario 1, ChatGPT 0. <laughs> Take that, OpenAI.
take that AI. <laughs> and somebody's open AI is now looking at this like, oh, okay, like Mario did the thing, like right, 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 like, okay. what do we need? Uh, to the, AI, the AI recorded this, and I was just gonna, you know, throw compiler errors at me for random moments. Like, this is for that remark, <laughs> error three one six. This is for the remark in the podcast. But uh, how does the tool like Copilot work at the moment, and what do you think the future of that is gonna be? I haven't been using Copilot myself in detail, but a colleague of mine, and that's actually interesting, we had an episode about the generation differences and how the industry worked. A colleague of mine who is fresh out of college is using Copilot all the time because he learned to program with Copilot. That's like, you know, could you ever program without it? And it is actually good, but sometimes it's not. And when it's not, it takes you a lot of time to figure out why it's not. Because it generally kind of does what you need, but the mistakes that it does are not easy to spot and not easy to catch. And if you don't know what you're doing, if you're like a really junior and completely rely on Copilot without knowing what you're doing, working on a larger scale project, you might get into some trouble. It's not unfixable and it's definitely useful. Again, I'm, I'm going to have to dabble with it because I haven't played with it a lot. So with these uh, like no code and low code and AI tools, it kind of feels that the barrier of entry for development is a little bit lower, especially not just for developers, but for people who uh, are the type of, I have an idea that I want to try it out. And until a couple of years ago, if you had an idea, it was like, oh, you have an idea. Good luck finding a developer is going to help you out build the idea. But now I, it feels like the idea people can test out some of the ideas themselves. And what do you guys think the barrier for that is? Like, how much should someone with zero technical skill invest? How much time should they invest in this to get to a point where they can hack something out and, and test it up in a market? Um, I think yeah, it just really depends. Um, I mean, I see more experienced. If we're just talking specifically about using AI for programming, um, I see more experienced people. I see them using it for like, um, you know, optimizing something like making it fast, some code faster or finding bugs. Um, or if they're just making something quite small, like hacking something, it will just be a bit quicker to prompt it. But for, for people who are completely non-technical, um, what I have seen, so I've, I did a few, I'm non-technical, but I've worked in product teams for years. So I understand like the names of things and the process, you know, I don't know absolutely nothing, but I don't write code myself. Um, so I wrote a few threads just breaking down how to make, you know, a simple online radio players it's a very simple website and how to make like a simple chrome extension and stuff like that um and people were able to use chat gpt and follow this and actually like make this stuff for the first time which got people excited um i think we just got to remember that not everyone's trying to make complicated stuff some people want to make really simple stuff like for fun for themselves for their friends that kind of thing and it just make it democratizes making the simple stuff and there's a lot more people going to want to make that stuff and um, either don't have the attention span, the time or something else to to learn the, the traditional way kind of thing. So, yeah, I see it as like a, a positive thing for those people, uh, for sure. I would agree, though, I'm going to just throw that same question back to you, Tom, because uh, uh, using no code or using AI, I mean, uh, uh, you have ideas. And you have people who have ideas come up to you and say, hey, let's build this. And you can build them, let's say, a clickable prototype in Figma. However, if a guy from the street comes and says, hey, I want to do this. I don't want to build code because I don't want to learn to code. It's too complex. I'm just going to build a clickable prototype in Figma. 
Would you say that there is a learning curve to that as well? And do you think that there is a, I mean, how does that differ from any learning curve with any new tool that you're using? Any no-code tool needs a learning curve. Any AI tool needs a learning curve. So, you know, does AI help to you? Does no-code help to you? Or do you still have to know a piece of the trade in order to be able to utilize it? Uh, I think AI specifically uh, shortens the learning curve, at least makes it easier, not as steep, because you can ask, how do I? And then it will tell you before you had to do a lot of research on your own. With with this, you don't, you can you can be in a position where, where you don't know how to start and still start. You can be like, oh, I have no idea how this works. Hey, chat GPT, how does this shit works? What do I need to do? And it will tell you what, we, what you need to do. And then you can start doing that and asking those questions. So that's one answer. The other one would be comparing development to design is that from development perspective, if I want to do something a couple of years ago, I needed a developer. Now I don't need a developer specifically. I can maybe build something with no code and low code. Whereas where in design, people were trying to be designers since I can remember. Right. So, but people were not trying to be developers. So I think the, the line kind of moved from uh, everybody who has paint or their windows is tried a little bit of design in their life. Now I think developers are the next group of people are going to be like, oh, everybody's trying to be a developer now. So I think that, that, that line kind of shifts a little bit. Makes sense. Uh, I have two more questions for you guys. And, and so the first one is, we brought Charlie to this show. Charlie, thank you for coming. And we started just talking. And in the end of the show, we're going to have to make, you know, a title of this video and a title photo. So what did, what would the two of you say was the topic for today? Because we haven't announced the topic. We just started talking random stuff. So apart from calling it random shit, I uh, would really like to hear your two cents on how we should call this episode. Hmm. Uh, okay. I have an idea that I had in my mind vaguely why I, why I get generally invited Charlie, because I know that we have limited time, and one of the things that I like about Charlie is that he runs a community and he does this no-code and low-code stuff, and he's ramen profitable. So I kind of had this idea, I want to have a conversation with this guy, because I know that some of his lessons might be valuable for people listening, but <laughs> I didn't think about the, the name of the topic, apart from, hey, Charlie's cool, let's have Charlie on. <laughs> That's very kind. Um... So I wouldn't call it Charlie's Cool, um, but I would ask, what is your, what's a typical title you have for your episodes? Do you have a naming convention or something? No, nope. really. The every, we could just talk, I mean, I think that you could lean into the fact that we talked about a variety of topics as the title. Uh, community variety and AI, variety of topics. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes I see titles where it's like, you know, discuss, um, like, you know, like say, Tom, Mario and Charlie talk, um, talk ramen ai and the future of bootstrapping or something that, uh, that that could be yeah i think i'll be something along those lines uh I'll yeah, ask ramen GPT ai and random we can ask chat gpt as well yeah <laughs> all right what is the so, what is the commonality between ramen indie hacking and the community and whatever whatever chat gpt comes up with but um, uh, so all, they are, they're all very nourishing uh, <laughs> Charlie, you've been running. I have a second question. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I have sorry, a follow sorry. up on that. Okay. So I have a follow up on that. Now that we have defined our topic, yeah. I actually wanted to ask you out for like a big closing thought as a conclusion to the discussion. <laughs> because you defined the topic so nicely, this one is going to be more tricky. So repeat the question. Uh, 
What would be your final conclusion about the topic that we've just discussed? Um, shit is crazy and it's going to get crazier. Okay. You, you caught me off guard, Mario, but... Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Okay, what, one thing that I'm going to say, and I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but either you keep up or you risk being left behind, I think is the, the prevailing thought, in especially this year. It's been almost six months of 2023, and I feel like things are moving so quickly. I'm getting an email on a daily basis with new AI tools, new things that you can do, and it's a daily email with so many links. I don't even have time to investigate how yeah. some of the things work. And it's already a new up-and-coming thing. And a couple of days ago, I've seen that Zapier announced integration with OpenAI. And it was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I open it. And I was just so overwhelmed. I had no idea what to type in there. Like, oh, I, I want everything. Can I just do everything? And it's, I think, in order to do some of the things properly, you need to slow down just to kind of wrap your head around what you want to do and approach it from a position where slow down in order to go fast, but everything else is going so fast that I'm afraid I have this FOMO that I'm going to be left behind if I don't jump on every fucking bandwagon going by in the last couple of months. So failing yeah. thought would be, uh, I don't know. Good luck, everybody. But what, <laughs> I, 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 one thing I would also add is, um, you know, I think it's good to kind of, be up to speed on on the things that are happening but it's important like you say it's impossible to keep on top of everything and i think it's actually almost harmful to try and keep up with everything because there's a opportunity cost so i think it's just like remembering the stuff that's not going to change because there's some stuff which doesn't change over time and just keeping an eye on that as well you know like people are always going to want to make more money or save more money or to like uh, find love like these are fundamentals that don't change with like AI do you know what I mean so um, yeah just remembering that I think Jeff Bezos had a quote on this somewhere as well um, so yeah remembering that stuff as well so having one fist in both things yep my conclusion would be that whatever we just discussed things that are out there regardless whether they are they are low code they are no code they are communities are just tools and that it's in the end it's you your idea your vision your determination and all of that and then when you have that in place, when you have that set up, and this is something that doesn't change with technology, then you can find better or worse or automated or AI tools to help you with that. And by learning from each other, we can find which tools suit us better, which suit tools suit us worse. But in the end, it's having our vision, our idea, and our goal in mind, and then adapting everything else to it, not the other way around. Don't start from the tool and then figure out, okay, this is an amazing tool. Now what I want to do with it. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, guys, to wrap it up, have you prepared your dad jokes? Uh, I, I actually have one, yes. Go, Charlie. Why don't scientists trust atoms? Because they make up everything. Yes. You, you adapted this show very nicely, Charlie. Thank you. <laughs> I try, man. I try. I actually had a really bad joke, but I'm going to switch it to, the fa to a thing that we discussed. So Charlie is running a community which is ramen profitable, but the irony is that nobody's ramen profitable in there. Either it's people who are trying to become ramen profitable, or it's people who have gone over that threshold and are now giving back to the community. So I find it funny, the irony where in the ramen profitability community, nobody's actually ramen profitable. There are, but you know, you think about it, you only, yeah, as soon as you're $1 over ramen profitable, so you know, I think everyone that's got there or passed it, I would call ramen profitable. 
So I would I would contend that slightly. Okay. Uh, you killed my you killed my joke. <laughs> Wait, was that? <laughs> oh, that was the joke. Okay, got it. That was a, that was a poor attempt of a joke. Don't worry, I can work. My man, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, okay, Mario, it feels so bad to follow this amazing joke now, but I I thought that my my uh, washing machine was shrinking my clothes, but it turns out it's my refrigerator. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad, but because it's true. What airline do Jesus and Mary use when they want to fly? Virgin. Oh, my God. Okay. okay, that's, that's, uh, that's bad. Anyway, uh, thank you, Charlie, for taking the time. I really appreciate you coming along and, and sharing some of your insights. Uh, I think it's going to be extremely valuable to all of our listeners. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, comment, subscribe, share, tell your eat. mom, share with your mom. Uh, and and let us know what you think. I'm gonna leave in the comments in the description all of the links for Charlie's stuff, so you can check it there. And and we'll see you in the next one. So everybody have a nice day and uh, bye. Thanks a lot, guys. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.